almost want to like create this in Photoshop or something. I'm feeling like maybe the cover art for this episode is going to have to be a big turd launching towards a van. That's funny. Welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self-sufficiency, counter-economics, non-aggression, and the agora. The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Hey everyone, it's Regina with the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast. I am here with my colleague Cyrus. Good morning. And today we are taking our deep dive. Is shit really hitting the fan? I don't know. I think it might be. What do you think? I think there is shit on the fan. (laughs) The shit is already on the fan? (laughs) I think the shit is on the fan. We just haven't noticed yet. It's just, uh, we need to, like, push the high button so it flings off the fan. Right. Like, when it, you know? Right. Because it's all, like, kind of slow motion. I feel like right. this whole scenario has been playing out for months. Yeah. It's weird. Or maybe <laughs> it's, it's... really weird. Maybe the shit is flying through the air and it hadn't quite hit the fan yet, but there's no stopping it. That's where I think we're at. I think the shit has been catapulted towards the fan. <laughs> And it's about to, like, splatter everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I had, like, a mental visual visualization of that happening yeah, that when nice? I said that. Yeah, that was nice. Um, I think it's left a lot of us, like, survivalists and preppers a bit frustrated. Because I think we've all felt that when shit hits the fan, it's just going to hit really hard. So we know exactly what to do. Yeah. But in this situation, it's like a slow motion SHTF. Yeah. So we're just sitting here like, you know, waiting to do something, but we're not able to really take action because it hasn't quite gotten there yet. Right. We don't we don't see any zombies walking around yet. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have zombies. So that's unfortunate. (laughs) And there wasn't a, a Carrington event. Wiping out all of our electricity, you know. Right. That would be immediate shit hits the fan if we lost our power grid. No nuclear war, no nuclear bomb. It's just this slow grind into what appears to be an SHTF incoming situation. Which has been good in some ways because that's given us more time to prepare. Yeah. And especially for those who maybe for years have been on the fence about prepping, you know, maybe, maybe they're starting to see some things happening that are telling them, you know, maybe I really should get into this a little bit heavier because it's agree. like a, it, it's like a cumulative effect that's going on right now. There's just a number of different little things that are beginning to add up. And then with these cumulative small things that are happening, putting stress on the system, it's only going to take one big thing, I think, yep. and you know, to push it over the edge. Right. Well, it's like a perfect storm is swirling. Right. You know, and all the components are coming together and swirling into a massive conglomeration of this massive turd launching towards the fan, basically. Right. <laughs> Back to the visualization. <laughs> right. 
I just can't get over it. Right. Well, it is a podcast, so. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) Yes. If um, if we were doing videos right now, we'd have a big picture of a turd flying through the air. I almost want to, like, create this in Photoshop or something. (laughs) I'm feeling like maybe the cover art for this episode is going to have to be a big turd launching towards a van. (laughs) That's funny. I think I might have to do that. Right. Yeah. I'm going there. So... I'm glad because it did give me more time to prep and we're active preppers and survivalists. So we've been working towards it, but back in February, March, I was able to really like get the last minute things on my list. I got those things. So I felt really good about that. Yeah. Good deal. But then, you know, like I was expecting impending SHTF and then it didn't really materialize. And now we're in this really kind of weird grind this really weird slow grind so i feel like i'm annoyed but at the same time i still have even more time to do more preps if i if i chose to yeah there's definitely still time right now yeah so what are some of the current events that we feel have triggered shtf like what do we believe is happening right now that are red flags for us well, obviously, we've got the COVID. Yep. And... That was kind of the precursor. Right. I think the biggest thing about COVID is the stress that it's putting on the dollar. More than mm-hmm. more than anything else, I think that's the biggest problem. I mean... Yep. I don't, I don't want to sound like people dying is not a big problem, because it is. The percentages of the people dying are not just clearly, like, looking at it from a purely logistical point of view that the percentages of the people dying, the numbers are not high enough to have made a huge impact on like our economy and our society. Right. To be exactly. honest. Obviously they make a huge impact on immediate families, but it's not something that's going to impact the entire co- economy. You're right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't have the balls to say that because we have to be such touchy-feely, empathetic humans all the time, but that's just the reality of the situation, right? From a pragmatic point of view, you know, it's the it, it's the response that we've had and the amount of debt that we're going to go into as a nation to handle that response, mm-hmm. and also in the way that the response, uh, you know, the stimulus, the amount of money that people are receiving is nothing compared to the amount of money. Wall Street is going to receive, that banks are going to receive. It's going to be the same thing again. The government is going to send tons of money to people other than Main Street. Well, history is repeating itself. You know, the big guys get bailed out while the little guys, you know, starve. Mm -hmm. It's just a huge transfer of wealth, you know, taking even more money, generating money, printing money, which is robbing us through inflation. Mm Mm-hmm. And handing it over to these big corporations, like I had mentioned before, Apple getting corporate bond buyouts from the government. Well, Apple just hit their all-time high in their stocks, so why the hell are they getting a corporate bond buyout? Yeah, because it's just an easy way for the Fed to shovel money into the economy. Because, Because what they have to do, you know, fiat currency is nothing more than a confidence game or or a con game. Mm. It's... Because the only value a fiat currency has is the belief that it has value. Mm-hmm. When the people believe that it's valuable, then it 
that's the only thing. And if they stop believing that it's valuable, the fiat currency is finished. And so they have to keep pumping money into the economy so that presidents can say, oh, the economy's turning around, we're doing better. So that that keeps the confidence in the fiat currency. The problem, I think, is because of the last time we went through this and we had QE1 and 2 and 3, uh, mm-hmm. the Fed was promising that they were going to uh, normalize interest rates, what they called it, raising, they were going to get the interest rates back up off of zero. And when they tried to do that back in 2018, I think it was, they started creeping the interest rates back up. Well, the, uh, Wall Street didn't like that. And so no. stocks started going down and then President Trump started saying, hey, what the hell are you doing? You know, you can't. So anyway, they they took the interest rates back down to zero and our economy is now at the point where it has to be at zero or it's, at some point it may go below zero, which will be really crazy. Yeah. But so, yep. so the, the problem with that is they're not going to be able to say nobody, nobody's going to believe the fed anymore if they start talking about normalizing interest rates. And yeah. when I say nobody, that includes the rest of the world. So, oh yeah, this is a worldwide. The, yeah. The the only reason Americans get to spend all the money that we spend without producing products is because the rest of the rest of the world sends us products. That's mm-hmm. So, when we talked in one of the other episodes about what inflation was, when you talk about there's so many things, there's so many products in the market and so much money in the market if you have more money in the market than you have products, then prices go up. Well, the only reason we haven't seen drastic price hikes is because we export our inflation to other countries and other countries Hmm. like China send us products so that we have it. We have a constant influx of products into our market. So that helps keep inflation down. Um, Yeah. That's an interesting viewpoint. And I don't think I've ever really thought about it that way, but that's really a good point that we're bringing in so much product in exchange for all of these dollars that we've have created some type of balance to a degree. Right. And but then at one point, does that scale get tipped into oblivion? Well, but, and we're teetering dangerously close on that point. So that happens when the rest of the world loses confidence in our fiat currency. Yeah. Which is happening now. It is happening now. And, I haven't looked at our GDP numbers in a while, but the last they're not good. The last time I looked, <laughs> like seventy percent of our GDP is service industry. Like we just don't we don't make stuff anymore. We export yep. things, you know, a lot of food, things like that. But we're a service market, and our services are being shut down left and right. So we've lost, you know, our retail. We've lost our restaurants we've lost our movie theaters we've lost so many different service industries that have gotten slashed and hacked because of all these closures and we're going on months of this now yeah we were told it was going to be four weeks in the beginning yeah flatten the curve remember yeah wasn't that back in april i feel like it was april yeah something like that. so we're april to may to june we're at the end of july we're going on three months of what we got maybe a week or two of open in Texas, and then they 
they shut everything down again, yeah. practically. Well, and I think we're headed to more shutdowns, like places are starting to open up, but I think it's going to revert back to another shutdown. I know here where we live, yesterday, the state implemented a mandatory mask deal. So if, mm-hmm. anytime you're indoors, you have to be wearing a mask. That's the first time they've done that here. I know they've had that for a while in other places, but anyway, I think that when you couple our fiat currency and the lack of faith in our fiat currency with places like uh, China and Russia who have for years been increasing their gold reserves yeah, and China now talking about paying their exporters in gold. Wow. Um, that's going to, that's huge. That's going to change things quite a bit. If China and Russia decide to, in some form or fashion, move to some sort of a gold standard, the dollar is done, and they're talking. Done. They're talking about it, like it's not. This isn't something that is a. I'm thinking that could happen, and it would be a problem. This is something they are talking about doing. Well, and it's not going to take the U.S. by surprise because our government is made up of actuaries and very intelligent people that are very aware of what's going on. They're absolutely aware. And I think that's where a lot of this uh, China bashing is coming from, from, from our government. They've got to, they've got to try and hold China down. um, Until the inevitable. Yeah. Because China's economy is stronger than ours. We think we have the world's leading economy, but we don't. When you, uh, when you look at the numbers from a PPP perspective or, um, price product parity or something like that. I can't remember, but it it's when you take the GDP of a, of a country and then you account for differences in currency exchanges and, and things like that. So you get a more mm-hmm. accurate view of who has a stronger GDP because now you're counting the variance in the, in the currency exchange. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you take that into account, China's economy is much stronger than ours. They're the leading world economy. Hmm. And so if when they make a decision like paying exporters in gold, it will affect us heavily. And that's huge. Since we export our inflation to them through them having to buy dollars, they have to purchase dollars so that they can buy oil and all that kind of stuff. If they stop purchasing yeah. our dollars, all that inflation comes back home. It's going to get backed up. Yeah. Well, and I heard that China's exports have fallen 20% this past month. So that's 20% less crap we're getting from China. You know, and I'm a proponent of consuming less, especially from, you know, China and all their junk. But in this perspective, we almost have to consume to keep going the way we're going and if we stop consuming or consume less or they have less products exported to here which is what's happening our inflation it's going to come home yeah we have to import products or we either have to import products or we have to start making products or we have to stop printing money any one of those three things will help the problem probably all it would take all three probably to solve the problem but 
Well, and if China's exports have fallen 20%, there's a 20% gap right there. Granted, that's all over the world, but I know that we consume a bunch of China stuff, so that's going to affect us. Yeah. yeah. 20% is huge. Yeah. Even if that's only 5% to America, we still have to now adjust for that 5% drop of stuff we're not getting. Right. Into the economy. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I think when they... When they do all this stuff, like President Trump talking bad about China, and then you remember the the uh, the me uh, not me we um, the Huawei deal, you know the China phone, the Huawei. Oh, the five uh, G stuff. Well, no, the internet stuff. No, there's a there's a there's a brand of phone called Huawei or Huawei. I, can, I don't know how to pronounce it. My wife has one of their. Because oh, I was thinking, I was thinking Hawaii. H-A-W-E-I, which is their 5G. That would actually be a really interesting topic because they've got the stranglehold on some of this technology. Yeah. And they're kind of like holding it hostage or they're trying to use it for spying. And there's like this big thing going on. Well, that's but, uh, that's what's funny to me is you can't hardly buy those phones anymore. My wife owns one. She loves it. I mean, they're, ec- oh, really? they're excellent phones. And you huh. used to could get them at Walmart, and you can't anymore. But they're uh, you can still buy them. You got to go online to do it. But the, it was funny because the government and Trump they were talking about we can't use these phones because China is spying on us. And I'm thinking the U.S. government is complaining about somebody spying on us. And I just found that hilarious. <laughs> like you've got to be kidding mm-hmm. me. The largest spy network in the world is complaining about somebody spying. Oh, it was yeah, just, because it was just really funny. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's China spying, so it's, you know, totally different. Like, they can spy on us all they want domestically, right. but we can't have anybody else spy on us, you know, through products they've created. No. But, so, that was one of the other things about this cumulative effect. And then you've mm-hmm. you've also got all the civil unrest right now. Like, I've never seen it so crazy yeah, it's uh, pretty jaw-dropping to see some of this footage. Yeah, there's been protests in Portland, Oregon now for like 60 days or something like that. Crazy. Yeah, it's going on two months, and I guess the government has troops in there, and they're trying to get those guys out. They want to just keep it local police, but it's like at some point, when do you say we have to bring in, you know, military to get this sorted out? Yeah. I mean, how long do you, how long are you going to let the civil unrest go on for? Yeah, you know. And then you've got the state, Oregon, telling the feds to stay out of it, and so yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. And then you've got BLM who are making commercials, basically stay, saying, "Rise up! Now's now's the time." You've got yeah. You've got a black militia group walking the streets you know, marching through the streets in this kind of intimidating fashion. It's just a lot. It's just a lot going on that's abnormal. Well, and we're not allowed to talk down about them because if you talk down about Black Lives Matter in any way, shape, or form, you're getting censored off of YouTube. Yeah. You you can't really talk down about BLM right now unless you're on an alternative platform. Right. So we're only seeing what they want us to see in their, you know, social media cycles. Well... 
it does seem like a militia group and it does seem dangerous to me. Yeah. They're, you know, people's properties are being destroyed. People are being killed. There's riots. There's protests that are not so peaceful yet. This picture that's been painted is that this is all good and acceptable and these people are demonstrating their right to protest, but it's going way farther than that. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem good. No, you... Unpopular opinion, again. <laughs> and, and people have, have a somewhat distorted view of the freedom of speech because, yeah. I mean, you have the right to say whatever you want, but that does not extend into expression. Like people say, I'm just expressing, expressing my free speech. Well, that's not a right. You can say what you want, but burning down a building to, or setting a building on fire to express your speech, that's not a right. You don't have that right. No, that's illegal. That is breaking the law, yet they're being allowed to do this, which is just inverse to me. Yeah. It's really mind-boggling, and it's very troubling, all in the sake of, you know, Black Lives Matter, but this has gone way above and beyond. That's just a way for them to get away with it. Yeah. But in a whole, I think civil unrest is just, it's accumulated from all of this BS, you know? It's just, cum it's accumulating. Yeah. And they just needed one outsource, you know, one point to rise up and do all this stuff. Yeah, you know? right. And my viewpoint is that all of this is inevitable because of government anyway. Yeah. And that's a whole nother show. But you can't oppress people forever. And when I say oppress people, I'm not talking about terrible things we've done to minorities in our country's history. I'm talking about people in general being oppressed Everyone. by the act of government as an entity that has a monopoly on violence. It is that that causes yeah. everything that we see now. The fiat currency problems, uh, the civil unrest problems, the problems you have with other countries are because of governments. All of it is because of government. Our government's too big. Our government has grown too big. It has stepped on our toes way too much. It has taken way too much control. It has taxed us into oblivion. We are all basically slave peasants to the government, and this is the backlash from right, that. Right. And so now with the coronavirus, even more controls are being put in place. Fear has been put in place, and we are now seeing the natural backlash from it. That just happens to have the name of Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine just... 50 years ago, what they would have said, what regular people would have said if the government said, you got to wear a mask every time you leave your house now. Like they'd have been, yep. they'd have been like, who do you, what? <laughs> you know? And, you know, even out here where I live, I live in a rural area and people are different in rural areas than they are in a city. And that's just a fact. Like there's yeah. a little, oh, there's yeah. a little convenience store out here that when I went into yesterday, nobody was wearing a mask. Yeah. And, and and it's a it's a law now. Screw this. Yeah, they're like, we're not wearing a mask, you know? Well, I feel like it should be the private business's decision. Like, if this business says, I want you to wear a mask in my store, it's my private business. If you want to do business in my store, you wear a mask. Right. That's where the decision should be made. Right. And if you got a it problem with it... It should be made it, on yeah. a business owner's level. 
Yeah. And if you've got a problem with it, you can do business somewhere else. It's ever, that is all consensual. Like Walmart, you know, okay, yes, Walmart is huge and they feed the masses and, you know, our societies become dependent on Walmart, but they are still a private business and they have chosen to make masks mandatory. That's their decision. If you want to go into a freaking Walmart, they've decided this. But for the government to say, everybody has to wear masks now, no matter what, I feel like that's stepping, that's overstepping. Yeah, it's not, it's not their place. It really isn't. Because if you're that concerned, then do your online shopping and pick up your groceries and you don't even have to go in the store. Right. Like there's ways around this, you know, if you're concerned about exposure. Right. And the reality is, is that masks really don't work anyways. And that's another thing that they're massively censoring is anyone talking shit about masks. Yeah. If you're talking shit about masks, you're taken down off YouTube. Right. You are taken down off Facebook immediately. It's crazy. And the reason masks don't work is because... A, we're wearing the we're wearing the wrong type of mask. Mm-hmm. First off, to not get the virus, you need the N95 mask, which is an extreme shortage. These cloth masks that people are making, these surgical masks that people are making, will not prevent you from catching it. Right. What it does is it prevents droplets from spewing out into the air. So it 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 dampens down droplet spew. But you can still catch it. Yeah. So if you really want to be correctly wearing a mask, you need to wear an N95 net mask to protect yourself. That's the first thing. The second thing is people are not wearing these masks properly at all. And you see it all the time. People are fidgeting with them. They're dropping it below their face because they can't breathe. There's like, you know, or they take it off while they're talking. So right. they're not being worn right. They're not wearing the right kind of mask. And they've also manipulated the uh, narrative so well that it's almost become a form of virtue signaling. Like, I care about people because I'm wearing a mask. And if you're not wearing a mask, you must hate babies, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's almost that bad. It's it's kind of getting that bad, yeah. And then it just makes you wonder, like, how many deaths are really from coronavirus? Because there was a an infant that died who had coronavirus here by me in Corpus Christi, which is really sad and awful. Ends up that the infant died of SIDS, which is not coronavirus, but they're saying that the infant died of coronavirus. So it was just ha- it, it just happened to have coronavirus, but it died of SIDS. Yeah. So which one is it? Right. Did the coronavirus cause SIDS? Did SIDS just happen? Would it have happened anyways? Yeah. And there's and there's no way of knowing There's some weird shit about it. There's no way of knowing how much of that is going on either. I mean there, there could be a ton of it, there might be just a little bit of it. We we have no way of knowing that except to know that there yeah. is some of it going on. There's definitely some manipulation in the numbers. We're still very unclear of the death rates. We're still very unclear of a lot of things, yet a lot of decisions are being made for us, for our quote-unquote own good. Yeah. And I can certainly understand having a fear of catching something that can kill you, especially if you are in a high-risk group. Yeah. You know, you if you're in a high-risk group, this has got to be really scary for you. And so I can understand that. But the response by shutting down the economy and printing trillions of extra dollars, that just can't be the answer. 
you know? Well, the reality is, is that our economy was troubled before this all happened. Yeah. And they have been peddling this scheme, this Ponzi scheme. So basically, we're in a Ponzi scheme. Right. As we talked about in our prior episode. Right. Our economics episode. And at some point, the Ponzi scheme is going to go bust. So we've been believing through the narrative that our economy's been doing great. It's been fantastic. But in reality, it really hasn't been. Right. It has been slowing down for the past several years. But we've just, the government has gamed the system to make it appear that it's just going really well. Right. All it takes is one pin to burst the bubble. Well, now we have conveniently gotten this worldwide virus that is so easy to blame our collapse on. Yeah. Because the reality is, is that we have been having a troubled, inflated, hyper-bubbled economy for years. And now we have the perfect excuse to pop the bubble to make a great financial reset. Yeah, and that... That's what, that's what they call it, the great financial reset. Yeah, and, you know, you've still got time now to prepare for this stuff, like we were saying earlier. There's still... Things are going to get really... We're in slow motion. Yeah, things are going to get really bad, I think. I, I think both of us are in agreement that we've got some really tough times coming. So Well, and to go full, full circle, is shit really hitting the fan... We think so. Yeah. Yeah, we think so. <laughs> We've got the bizarro pandemic world where our control, our rights are feeling like they're being stripped away and the government control is becoming extreme. We've got our GDP, which is massively deflating. I pulled up the stat here. Uh, our GDP is to fall uh, by 56 percent, which is huge, because usually it yeah. goes up, not down. Yeah, that's a huge number. So we are in a recession. I mean, we're, we are in a recession. There's no question about it. Right. And we'll be in a depression by next year. Yeah. What's, what's, it will gravitate towards that. What are yes. they, uh, I forget that what it has to be to be classified a depression. I think it's six months, two quarters. Yeah. Or is that it's the recession? A, a couple Two to three quarters, I think, for a recession and more quarters for a depression. I don't quite know. But we've at least hit. We've got to be hitting the two-quarter mark now. Because this has been going on since, what, March? Yeah. So at least one quarter. Well, um, We've got exports falling from China, which we just discussed how that affects our dollar inflation situation. Right. Uh, a bunch of bankruptcies, too, yeah. are happening. Um. We're losing bunches of restaurants, like just small businesses. I don't know about in your area, but in my area, there's quite a few restaurants that haven't reopened because I just didn't weather this, you know, first collapse. Right. Well, which is a sign that the economy wasn't as great as you as we thought, you know, because it was already fragile. Yeah, it was already fragile. So these business, these small businesses, they didn't have enough money saved up. They didn't have enough money in the bank to to weather a storm like this. And a lot of them just aren't going to open back up. Our well, and then we've got larger bankruptcies, too. So we've got Hertz Rent-A-Car went bankrupt, uh, Neiman Marcus, uh, GNC, 24-Hour Fitness. We've got Gold's Gym, um, Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, that's, like, been around since I was little. Yeah, you me know? too. Um, and then we've got our oil companies. We've got Chevron. Huge, huge news, Chevron. 
I believe they're either on the brink of bankruptcy or they've already filed. And we've got Halliburton, which is a huge player mm-hmm. in the oil fields, big player in the fracking. So we're starting to see the house of cards collapsing through these huge bankruptcies. And we're also seeing it in our local areas through the small mom and pop shops, which make up 70% of employment in America is the small businesses. Right. So the perfect storm of shit is swirling. Yeah. And that, and that's not even taking into account all of the residential foreclosures that are on the horizon. Oh my gosh. This is the biggie. Yeah. The real estate uh, crisis that is just really looming right at our doorstep. It gives me like tingles to think about it. Yeah. Like I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> I'm laughing because if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying. Right. It's really looking, looking scary. Yeah. I don't know. I watch a lot of things and I pick up on pieces and they get stuck in my brain. But I do know that We've had this uh, rent forgiveness program that's ending here at the end of this month, Mm -hmm. which I I don't see how the government couldn't force another. I mean, they're already forcing everything, so they're probably going to force another few months of people not paying rent. But then, you know, that puts the renter, you know, the, the landlords into a bind because they're not getting the income. So it's just like this whole conglomeration of shit. Right. Yeah, you can only do rent forgiveness for so long, and you've got to do it all the way up the chain. You know, you got to do it for you got to do it for the landlord. You got to do it for the bank that holds the mortgage, the real estate investment companies. Yeah, it's like it's just so massive; it's hard to wrap your mind around. You know, and then all these people are missing mortgage payments. All these people are missing rent payments. The landlords are missing payments to the bank. I mean, it's like a looming disaster zone for housing. Yeah. And they're talking about, you know, homeless spiking. And, you know, that's going to create a whole issue within itself. I mean, it's just like the massive doom and gloom is like unreal right now. (laughs) Yeah. So for people out there that are listening that are thinking, okay, well, I agree with you. I see things are getting crazy. What do I do? You know, like, yeah. what's what's the most important thing? If you haven't been prepping for years already and you're just now starting, the, I think the most important thing you can do is stock up on some food because food prices are going to go up if all this does happen. If shit does hit the fan, food's going to be tough to come by. Yeah. Whether it's because... And like we discussed in our uh, food shortage episode... You know, we discussed that we don't think it's going to be a full-out, like, African super starvation food shortage, but it will be a food is more expensive and we have less variety than we're used to. Right. And it could, I mean, it could get severe. Yeah. I don't want to downplay that, but I don't think it's going to be, like, the ultra-mega food shortage. But it could be, uh, it could be a very big pain point for a lot of people in this country. And other countries, too. And the worst case scenario in this situation is the collapse of the dollar. And if and if that does happen, well, you just can't buy food. You just don't you just don't have the ability to buy food unless you have, you know, uh, some stores of your own, some food storage. uh, You're growing your own food or you have items you can barter with to Mm -hmm. uh, 
to trade with other people. And so we found uh, a company that's not out of stock where you, where yeah. you can buy that. Uh, what's the name of that company? Uh, we found a company that has food in stock and they are called Legacy Food Storage. They do a freeze dried food and they uh, price everything by the pound. So it's actually pretty darn affordable. They have really good reviews as far as taste goes, as far as longevity. The food will last 25 years if stored properly. It comes in a bucket. And you can find them on our product recommendation page on theoffgridoutpost.com. And the big thing right now, if you're if you're already prepping, you already know this, but it's hard to find any of those companies selling this type of long-term food store uh, that aren't out of stock. Everybody's just been yes. buying it all up. There are several products on Legacy Food Storage that are out of stock. I just happened to find some things that they do have in stock, but there is shipping delays. So if you order now, you're going to be delayed receiving it two to four weeks from now. And I don't think, I don't think our food shortage is going to develop in two to four weeks. So you still have time to right. get it and be safe. Right. So that's really good news. We do have time. Another thing, so we have food. Another important thing is water. Food and water. That should be your first top two concerns. Because without it, you die. Right. Technically, you can live without electricity. Technically, you can live without shelter. You're not comfortable, you know. But you cannot live without food and water. And it's super important that you can filter and purify your water autonomously. And what I mean by autonomously is... Filtering and purifying your water without electricity and without plumbing. Right. So, and I say both filter and purify because this is a common misconception. Um, filtering is taking out things like sediments and purifying is removing bacterias and viruses. You have to have a purification water filter. And there are several water filters like your Brita water filter and things like that. Those will not cut it. Those only remove sediments. They will not remove virus and bacteria. So again, on our product recommendations page, I placed a couple of water filters that will take out bacteria and viruses from the water. And these products are completely autonomous. They're portable. They do not require electricity or plumbing, and they will remove all the nasty stuff from your water. So if we do go into a situation where you are gathering water from a wild water source, these products will work for you. Yeah. You can even take water straight out of your gutter, you know, co yep. collect rainwater, filter in it, and use yep. it. But these are the kind of situations that we could be headed for. And so we're just trying to get a warning out to people as early as we can just to help you get, get started. I'd rather be prepared than not prepared because you know what? If shit doesn't hit the fan, which I'd say like on a percentage level, I would say there's like a 20% chance that shit won't hit the fan just because the powers that be might make our transition less painful than what we think is going to happen. So for example, the dollar collapses, they're going to have a solution for us. Well, the solution is, you know, now we have a digital uh, currency, a digital, digital world currency where we can, you know, track every purchase you make and control you through your currency. But this is our solution. So if you want to participate 
in our society and in our economy, you just have to make this transition into this central world digital currency. And in order to be able to spend this currency, you have to be a good citizen, you have to comply, you have to register, you might have to take a vaccine, and all is well in the world. So then you might have a you might have to make a choice of opting out. Right. Of this new society that they're building. You might have to Which have would a... be a hard decision. Yeah. It's an easy decision for some. Some will say, oh, no problem. Of course I'm going to opt in. Some will say, hell no, I'm going to opt out. But then there's going to be people on the fence where it's going to be a hard decision. Like people with families and kids and things like that. Right. Well, and I think we're moving to a place also where we're going to have social scores like credit score. You know, yeah. which they've... Like they have in China. Like they've already started in China where, you know, you're... Your activity on social media determines whether or not you can get a job or get an apartment. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Very communistic. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, communi-. there's like this whole movement towards communism right now. And I'm like, have you not heard, like, are you living in a box? Yeah. <laughs> have you not seen what communism does to societies? Yeah. It completely removes, like, your freedoms. Like, you think you're going to be able to just say and do what you want in a communistic society? Sorry. You, you're you a basically smoking crack. Right. If you think that's going to happen. Um, but the social credit score in China. So if you're a naughty citizen, which is jaywalking, which is expressing your opinions or ideas, maybe a little shoplifting, you know, maybe a little dis- drunken disorderly, you can't ride public transportation. Maybe saying something bad about the government. Oh, yeah, your, that's a huge uh, one. On your They'll, social media page. They will literally lock you up in a mental institution. That's what's happening to one woman right now. She's a diplomat of some sort, and she was a part of the Chinese Communist Party, And she decided to rise up and voice her opinion against the Communist Party. They put her in a mental institution. And her daughter is, like, pleading with the outside world. Like, please see what's going on. Like, they institutionalized my mom because she talked bad about CCP. Right, because only a crazy person would. Only a crazy person would go against the CCP. Who cares that they've slaughtered hundreds of millions of our own people? Oh, it's nuts. There's a lot of nuts going on. Yeah. There is a lot of nutty things going on. And I don't I don't want to be a I don't want to be a purveyor of doom. We have the doom peddlers, which are mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And people are getting frozen in fear. Cause that's what doom peddlers do. Fear fear peddlers. Well, I I, I see it as an opportunity to gain more freedom in a really yeah. really strange way, you know. Be responsible. Create your own self-sufficient lifestyle and gain more freedom. It's, it's really that simple. It is a good opportunity to do it right now. And I think if things progress to the point of a financial reset and bringing in a new world order system, a new currency system, mandatory vaccines and things like that, there will be uprisings and outcroppings of grassroots you know, villages and, and communities. Yeah. It will naturally happen. Yeah. It's just the, the law of nature for that to happen. 
Just like it's the law of nature for there to be riots against the control, which we're seeing. Right. That was naturally going to progress. It just happens to be in the form of BLM and Antifa right. this time around. Right. It was naturally going to happen because it's the, the law of nature and the law of man. Well, and, you know, people are not meant to be caged, whether that cage is invisible or not. Yeah, we've got a huge invisible cage. We almost got choke chains on at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's backlash. I always thought it was going to be from more of the conservative party, I guess. I don't know why I thought that. But it would make more sense to come more from the left, wouldn't it? Uh. I al- I just saw, like, this civil war happening of, like, the government's getting in too much control. And then more of, like, the right-wing, gun-owning uh, rural individuals <laughs> would kind of rise up out of it to take back control. But it seems to be more of a left-wing thing. And then the right rural side is kind of like sitting there watching it all happen and observing and prepping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what's happening. But, you know, if you look at the first civil war that we went through, you've got to, you've got to use the terms like, uh, conservative liberal in a different kind of way, because today the conservatives are Republicans, but those were, but the Republicans, uh, were the liberals back then and the Democrats were yes. the conservatives back then. So I don't know. There has been kind of this change. Well, and back then it's like, you know, the, the battles they were fighting were really good, strong battles like women's right to vote mm-hmm. and ending segregation and things like that. But now that the big battles have been won, they keep pushing the envelope into this very leftist, liberal, wacky land. Yeah. It's really become a wacky land because they've won the big battles. Right. And now we're... So now we're coming out of an... Now we're imbalanced again, you know? Now we're left with battles like, um, what kind of pronoun I'm supposed to call you? Exactly. Weird weird things like that. Which I I got no problem with if if you want to be called whatever you want to be called. I'll, I'll do my best to remember to call you that, you know, just because I'm a friendly person. But Well, it's grasping at straws at this point. I mean, it's just becoming more and more extreme. Well, the extreme comes in when they say uh, this type of speech is mandated, you know. Yeah. You have to use this type of speech. Well, so that's a long, that's a big, long stretch from freedom of speech to now say you have mm-hmm. to speak this way. You know, weird things like that. It's flippening. It's flippening is what it's happening. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, um, there's a lot of scary things going on. And I think the point of this podcast is to help people navigate through what's going on, not just dishing out, you know, we're not fear peddling. We're just addressing the fact that, yes, these things are going on. And yes, they are scary. But this is what you can do to prepare now. Right. We're basically kind of giving out a warning, but also providing a solution. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the solution, I accepted your challenge from the last episode. Oh, yes. And I have a silver ounce coin. Yay! Woohoo! That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited. And the, so explain the process. Explain the process. So I... Um, I sold a jar of moonshine. Awesome. I got $20 and I went and bought, cool. and I used that $20 and went and bought a silver coin. 
And now I can't remember. It yep. seems like I paid $19 for the coin, but now I can't remember. Doesn't matter either. I think it was 19 I think it was 19 is what you told me. Yeah. So, and it's already gone up in value. That was like yesterday or the day before yesterday. Oh, you got a huge deal because silver is now creeping up, I think, on 22 Let me look at the price. I can pull it up right now. Silver's at $22 an ounce. So you immediately turn $19 into 22 Yeah. However, the overspot price, tack on additional $5 for that. So you spent $19 two days ago and now have $28 worth of silver. So so the spot price is the price that you can sell it for. That's like the, uh, it's like the street Over price. Overspot. It's like the street price, right? So basically, um, when you look up the price of silver, that's the stock price. And of course, it's manipulated because they're trading futures or trading paper. You know, it's all just a bunch of BS, if you ask me, the stock price. But what happens is when you own physical silver, there's an overspot price. So you're not going to be able to buy physical silver at the stock price. You're going to pay an additional amount to have that physical silver. And that's the real, that is the real price of silver. Right. And I can look that up right now, actually. Yeah, look it up. Let's see. And tell you what the overspot price is, because I'm sure it's gone up since two days ago. I mean, it's just crazy what's happening with silver. I love it. Give me one second to look that up. Yeah, and, you know, so last week, we Regina issued a challenge to sell something and go buy a coin. Yeah, so, like, sell, I don't know, an old crock pot you have or an old tool you're not using just to, to sell something out of the taxation system. Yeah. To take something you have now or provide a service like mow someone's lawn or whatnot, get the cash under the table out of the system and purchase a precious metal, namely silver. So now you own this asset that's going to appreciate in value that is completely off the radar that will never be taxed because no one knows you have it. Right. And silver is climbing daily now. So every day you wait is more money you got to pay to get your silver. So I... Holy moly. We're looking at... Twenty six fifty. Okay, that's if you buy. If you buy one, twenty seven fifty. Twenty seven dollars and fifty cents. Your one ounce of silver literally appreciated like thirty five percent since you bought it in t- in two days. <laughs> right. In two freaking days. So, this rally is crazy right now on silver. So that's I love it. That's why we're telling you to get out there and do it right now because every day you wait is another couple of bucks. And silver's not going down anytime soon. Nah. It, it's been coming. This is not the top. And I think the reaction people have to the market is kind of strange because when you buy something and if the price kind of cools off a little bit, you feel like so like, oh my God, I got ripped off because it dropped 50 cents since when I bought it. But you can't have that mind state. You just have to buy it as a store of value, you know? So maybe silver cools down and goes to like $21 tomorrow, you know, like the rally ends and cools off. Who cares? You know, it's like, it's a store of value. It's going to go up and down, but in the long term, this, this baby's going to the moon. Yeah. And, it's, and I bought a substantial amount of silver at $15 an ounce, so you could imagine how I'm feeling. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and especially... Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. The things we're talking about, if, you know, if something happens to the dollar and it, let's say it doesn't collapse, but it loses half of its value. Well, all of a sudden that silver is worth even more, a whole lot more. Oh, man. I mean, honestly, it could be infinity. It could be worth infinity against the dollar. Against the dollar, yeah. But you've got to realize that precious metals have been used since the beginning of man as currency, as value. So we're talking ancient Egyptians. We're talking Mesopotamians. The the oldest civilizations always used precious metals. So it is inherently the currency of, of mankind. Yeah. So... You can take your silver ingot anywhere and it will have value anywhere at any time throughout history, no matter what. That's what's important about precious metals. Yeah, in some places, I I would imagine right now you're even going to have a hard time finding silver already. Oh, you, you can't buy it. It's getting harder and harder. I use a website called Atmex and they're completely sold out, except for things that are, you know, overpriced because certain things... Are, uh, I mean, I can't even find a one ounce silver ingot on Atmex right now. You can go for a pre-sale, you know, and sign up and then you get it in a couple weeks in a, or a month and you lock in at the current price, which is pretty cool. But as far as like going out, even pawn shops are running out. Yeah, that's what I was talking about silver. locally. There's even places yeah. where you're not going to be able to find it. So get out there and try and find locally some now. Locally and online, yeah. Everywhere. It's running out everywhere because this is real currency, folks. <laughs> right. This is the real deal right here. And when things become uncertain is when we go back to the real currency of man, which is gold and silver. And copper and palladium and platinum and, and gemstones even have intrinsic value always. Right. Although gemstone, gemstones is more speculative, but typically... It's, it's scarcity is what it is. I mean, that's what makes it valuable. It lasts forever. You can find gold from thousands and thousands of years ago. That's still a gold nugget. Millions of years ago, because that's when it was formed, right? I haven't a clue. Well, that's the case. So basically, you know, your gold is molten from the volcano that erupted it or whatnot, or from whatever planet it came from on a meteor. Like, it doesn't... Gold is indestructible, more or less. Well, I mean, you compare that with something like a fiat currency that you can't manipulate gold in the same way that, well, I shouldn't say that, government governments can't manipulate gold in the same way that they can manipulate fiat currency because they can't just make more uh, gold. It's government gold. resistant. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. It's government government tampering resistant. Although they've held the price down. They've held the price down for a lot, a long time. But if you look at inflation, gold has steeled itself against inflation. So back in 1913, uh, we've seen a 97% drop in the dollar value right. from 1913 to 2020. But gold and silver, namely gold, has completely kept its value. Because back in 1913, you could buy an ounce of gold for, I think, a couple of bucks. Yeah. And now we're going up to, you know, we're over $1,800 on gold. It's gained $5 today. I mean, it's finally happening. Yeah. And it's not too late to get in to gold and silver. 
I think that's the point of this whole show is it is not too late to steel yourself against what's going on with food stores, with water purification, with gold and silver, seeds, crypto, whatever it is, like there is still plenty of time. And so don't feel hopeless. Right. And and the here's the worst case scenario. If you if you prepare yourself for some sort of disastrous thing to come in the future and it doesn't happen, the worst case scenario is you've purchased silver and gold which are going to hold their value. It's better than a bank account. So you've saved mo- Way better. you've saved money or you've Plus, you've bought food that, you know, if nothing ever happens, you can eat that food. You yeah. know, you, you're, well, you're not losing anything. What happens, if something, what happens if something happens locally? Let's say you have a, a, a natural disaster in your area. Let's say you have an earthquake in your area. Right. And you don't have access to food and water for a week. You want to have this anyways. Right. Or you have a flood or your lights go out. Like... Things happen locally all the time that are not even pertaining to this bigger picture. So you want to have something anyways, right. you know, just just to be safe. And then as far as gold and silver goes, well, if your money's just sitting in a bank account, the inflation, just natural inflation, not even inflation during, you know, an economic downturn, like your money is just getting less and less valuable sitting in a bank. Right. Just natural, even in good times. Yeah, that's why I'm, my wife and I, we don't save money in that traditional sense of putting it in a bank account because it's worth less money when we want to use it later. Exactly. But I guess the most accurate way to say that is it has less purchasing power later on down the road. Yeah, that's the more accurate way to put it, but it is inflation, yeah. And you're not making crap in a savings account. So then people move into the market, you know, to look for like an IRA or a stock to invest their money. Well, that's not safe right now. No. I, I wouldn't suggest that. And even cryptocurrency, you know, cryptocurrency is pretty volatile. And if we did go through some sort of collapse in the market, it, it's not going to remain unaffected because it is a commodity and it does react to fear and greed. But at some point, it'll diverge away from that. So... But the, here's the good thing. I think it's just thing. really diversity. Here's the good thing about mm. a crypto, though. So let's say you have $500 of money that you can spend. If you buy crypto or use part of that money to buy some crypto and the dollar collapses, you're not going to be able to find anywhere, anyone on the world that will buy a dollar from you. Yeah. But you will be able to find someone who will buy some crypto from you. Well, so crypto, the way it was programmed is that it cannot be manipulated. I mean, it can, but it can't. Like there's going to be natural market manipulations no matter what. I mean, even gold is manipulated by the market. But crypto can be used anywhere at any point as long as you have connection to Internet so if we had like a Carrington event and our grid got wiped out, then, you know, there'd be a problem there. Yeah. But as long as our lights are still on and there's internet, you can have, you can have access to crypto all over the world. It has no boundaries. It has no regulations because it's just a digital currency in the stratosphere that anyone can access with an internet connection. Right. And you can store it offline too, but in order to trade, to sell, to buy, to exchange, you have to have internet. And that's where it's valuable. Right. 
is the block the blockchain technology cannot be manipulated. Well, it's a truly free market. Probably the only one. It's on a free Earth. market. So it is interesting. It is volatile, but in a long term sense, I think crypto could be very well a safe haven to invest in if we start seeing fiat currencies collapse, which I think we are in the uh, we're past the beginning stations of fiat collapsing. Yeah. Or the beginning phases. I think we're past the beginning. What do you think? We've been I talking think, about yeah, fiat collapsing for years. Yeah, they they've been on the decline for a long time. Mainly because they were set up in such a way that they were destined to fail at some point anyway. So it's kind of like when you're born, you start dying anyway. It's the same kind of thing. It's inevitable. But yep. I, I think a couple of things to keep your eye on is one, keep your eye on China. If they start, if they start using their gold reserves like they are talking about doing, uh, that is the signal, I would say, that is the main signal that says, dump whatever dollars you got, dump them and find something else to put your wealth in. There's a lot of different things to put your wealth in. It doesn't have to be just gold and silver and crypto. You can buy real estate. You can buy products. I mean, ammunition, ammunition. coffee, cigarettes, alcohol, food stores. I mean, those are all commodities and stores of value yeah. that are going to be resilient to a, a fiat failure yeah for sure but i i think any failure in the dollar is going to be related to china it just seems like and i and one of the other reasons i say that is because they're looking to be the dominant world power right. they've built more ships in their Navy in the past 14 years than like, I don't remember which countries they were, but like four other countries, including Great Britain and Germany. Hmm. Interesting. So I didn't know that they've been setting themselves up for about a decade to be the world superpower to take America's place as the dominant power on the planet politically. Well, and they definitely have the manpower because they've got 10 times more people than we have. Yeah. They're at what? 2 billion. What is the population of China? It's I don't know. Pretty high. I don't know. That's never been one of their uh, problems, but they've yeah. they've never been they've never had the political strength to one point three billion. And then they didn't have they didn't have the political strength or the economic strength. They have the economic strength now, and they've been yeah. working on the political strength for the past ten years. And the things that they've been talking about in the last two years point to them really ramping up their intentions. They're they're pouring tons of money into building roads and railways throughout Euroasia to connect Euroasia countries, which is part wow. which is part of their uh, part of their bid to gain political control. So I'm not as bullish as you are on China. I do agree that I believe we're falling as a superpower and we're looking at some sort of Eurasian type uprising but China's got a lot of smoke and mirrors going on and I think the first thing that I feel about China is that they've lied their flipping asses off about the virus and how it's affected them yeah Um, I think that's true 
it really grinds my gears because it's like, oh, America has the most infections, the most deaths. No, it's freaking China, people. Like, come on. They have a population of 1.3 billion people and they're having no infections. Please. Yeah. There has been very few because of their massive control, their massive firewall, but there has been leaked footage of mobile incineration units. There has been leaked footage of people being locked and barred and barricaded into their homes to basically die because they're, I think what they did is they just starved out and killed the people with the virus to contain it. Wow. Yeah. So what we're seeing is not what's really happening in China. I think they had millions of deaths. They had 21 million cell phones go silent in China, where they closed the accounts. They closed 21 million cell phone accounts, all right? Think about it this way. China uses cell phones to track everything these people do. It's practically mandatory to be in China to have a cell phone because that's how you pay for your purchases. That's how you use public transportation. 21 million accounts closed, and this was like March or April. Hmm. So they have been ravaged by this virus. But they're, you know, it's CCP, Chinese Communist Party. They're not going to show that weakness. What they did instead is they barricaded people into their homes that were sick. They had concentration camps in the form of like FEMA camps where they rounded up people, threw them in these concentration camps, never to be heard of from again. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Um, so that's that's something to consider. Yeah. And <laughs> The fact that a government lies is not news. I mean, our government, although they would never get away with lying about something like that, just because our system is different, they sure lie to us about a lot of other stuff. I mean, it's the only reason we're still using the dollars, because they lie to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing about China is they've built these massive, like, ghost cities to, like, prop up their economy and these ghost cities are just crumbling because they were used with such cheap materials. They're like disintegrating. And there's videos, very few videos, but there are videos of people like going up to like posts and like light posts and, you know, municipal structures and they just take their hand and they crumble away the material oh, wow. because it's built so cheaply. So I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors about China. Um, I know that they've manipulated their currency to remain low. So they could sell cheap shit to us right. in order to keep their exports strong. But I think, like you said, China is way more resilient to this downturn because of their massive hoarding of gold and silver, their massive manipulation of their currency to us. They've steeled themselves better to this. They're a, they're a nation of producers. Yes. I mean, that that will hold you over. Because if you're the country, if you're one of the main countries on the planet that sells shit to other people, you're, you're still going to do okay. That's like we were... Well, and they don't have the disgusting regulatory system like we do. So now it's like, everyone's like, we'll bring manufacturing back to America. Well, we're going to have to deregulate a whole bunch of crap to do that. Because yeah. there is way too much red tape. And... Wages are probably going to have to go lower, too. Well, I mean, yeah. Or we're going to have to pay more for a better made product. I mean, there's got to be some give. Like, we can't have the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. But I, I'm totally for bringing manufacturing back to America. 100% for it. It's just that we have to expect to pay more for materials and goods and deregulate and probably lower wages. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. Well, I like to speak more on terms of individuals. You know, I think everyone should be producers. 
just at just right. at your That's at your point. own level. You know, when when yeah. when we talk about governments, I don't really see gov. You know, this government is the good guy and that government is the bad guy, because to me, all governments are bad guys. So, yep. individually, if you produce your own food, if you produce your own energy, you're just better off no matter what's happening within your country, no matter where you live in your country, or, you know, no matter which country you live in. Any country, yeah. And if we get enough people doing that, then people can barter, buy and sell in between each other, as opposed to these middlemen, yeah. corporations, and government. Yeah, the a real free market could emerge just from everybody producing their own energy and food. Yeah. And goods, commodities like furnitures, clothing, things people need. Yeah. Alcohol, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Services. Right. Yeah. And I think that's going to emerge. I really do. I mean, people are not just going to roll over and die because our government screwed itself into oblivion. Well, most people won't. I think there might be a, there yeah. might be a few. But <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. There's going to be a lot of crying and there's going to be a lot of pain. But in order for change to happen, like there has to usually be pain. Yeah. And it's all about like lessening your own pain. And actually, you can actually take this crazy as an opportunity to rise above and do better. Yeah. And that's where I'm trying to approach it. So while everyone is binging on fear peddlers, fear peddling, which I see all the time, people on Facebook and our mainstream media and YouTube is just like constant, like binging on fear. It's a consumption and it's an addiction. So break that addiction, find something you can do and do it. You know, it's that simple. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm really hoping some people took us up on your challenge last week. I would like for people to contact us and let us know where all can they do that at. To contact us? Yeah, leave us messages or whatever. So in the show notes, there is a uh, link to where you can leave us a voice message and you can talk to us about if you uh, completed the the Agorism Silver Challenge. Cool name. Uh, we also have an email, theoffgridoutpost at gmail.com. And you can contact us for anything, comments, questions, critiques. Um, I would also like to hear from people, like, what is their, you know, what are they doing? What is their skill set that they can bring to the table? Yeah, for sure. In this post-apocalyptic land, are you good at gardening? Are you good at sewing, hunting, fishing? Are you good at, shoot, it could be medical, you know, bushcraft. It could be playing an instrument even. Right. You know, what is it that you can bring to the table to prepare yourself to make it through and offer a good or a service if and or when our society fails? Yeah, that would be, that would be really cool. Well, like you're good at a, like carpentry, right? Like you could probably just build a house. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Like, I could build a teepee because I, like, studied how to build a teepee. <laughs> right. <laughs> and teepees are actually pretty badass. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'd straight up live in a teepee. Although I prefer a yurt, but teepee, doable. Right. Um, one thing I'm doing, which is kind of out of the box, is I'm taking up metal detecting and I'm learning how to find metals in the ground, which is 
pretty challenging, but with the way gold and silver prices are going up, like I really feel like this could possibly become a pretty valuable hobby. Yeah, you wouldn't have to find much for it to be valuable, would you? Not at this point, the way things are going. And it gets me out of the house. It gets me away from fear binging. It's social distancing, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about the social distancing cops. So Karen's not going to get on your butt. Yeah, there's no Karens around to get on my ass. <laughs> and, you know, the bars are closed, so it's not like, you know, I can go to the bar and waste my time. So it's like, I don't know, I think metal detecting is a really great, like, hobby to take up in these times right now. Yeah. It seems fitting, you know? Yeah, pretty cool. And when you find money on the ground, like, that's legit, like, agorism right there. Yeah. I've probably found, like, a dollar in change at this point. <laughs> <laughs> But that's one more dollar, you know? That's right. And then at some point, I'm going to start finding silver silver coins, and that's a lot more than one dollar. Yeah, I want to I wanna meet that person that can build me a Mad Max car. A Mad Max bar? Car. You know that, car. You know that movie, Mad Max? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, one of, those, one of those cars I can run over zombies with. Yeah. <laughs> you might need a Mad Max car here in the short future. You can actually buy, like, Humvees, like, used Humvees and government auctions for relatively affordable. I was really surprised. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I kind of looked into that for a minute. I actually had a guy through my website, MaximumOffGrid.com, who needed help, like, with a bug-out strategy. Yeah. And he's got, like, four kids and two, like, young adults in his party not including himself and his wife, so like eight people in his party, and he lives in the suburbs of Chicago. And I'm like, well, my first recommendation is just to get the hell out of the city and move rural. Yeah, move. But if you're not willing to do that, then I would honestly like really recommend you get like a used Humvee from a government auction site, and that way you can like pack your family into it and get the heck out, because bugging out on foot with like that many people out of Chicago, yeah. Your uh, your chances of losing people, I mean, it's pretty high. Yeah, and I don't know. I I don't know if he took me seriously or not. We were supposed to go into some discussions about it, and he hasn't really. I think I might have like a little bit overwhelmed him with the reality of this situation. But living in Chicago, uh, yeah, I'm like, dude, yeah, not good right now. Which is going to be what we're talking about next week is uh, getting out of the city while you still can. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, if you have the means. I think everyone has the means. It's just a matter of that shock to your routine. Yeah. And possibly living a lifestyle that you don't want to live. Yeah. Yeah, be sure and tune in there, next week. Yeah, there is no can't. It's just a matter of will. Mm-hmm. And uncomfortable. Putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, which we all strive for a level of homeostasis, but sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to make change. Yeah, that's right. And so next next week we'll be talking about the, the whys and hows, mm-hmm. right? Because there's some big changes yeah. coming. So The city dynamic, I think, is an interesting topic to cover and to help people make some good choices about their city situation, mm-hmm. their city living situation. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to remind everyone to uh, please rate this podcast. It really helps with our rankings and getting found. And to visit our website, 
gridoutpost.com. We have more content there. We have an archive of all of our episodes and our product recommendations page. If you purchase from that page, it helps support us along with helping yourself to prepare. So it's really a win-win situation. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, So join us next week, and uh, I hope you're enjoying our show. Talk to you guys next week. Cool. Later. Here's a little teaser for what's coming next week. Families with young children where both parents are income earners, and now maybe one of them or both of them have the opportunity to stay home with their children, maybe even do some homeschooling. I mean, these are real possibilities now, whereas before, that was a hard choice to make. Thanks for listening to the Off-Grid Outpost podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you can get all the new episodes.